Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Today, I got a big show for you, my friend. First of all, it's all about honoring you. This is the fifth anniversary of the Zero to Travel podcast, five years And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this community and for making this show possible over the last five years. I've got my biggest shout out of all coming up next. Plus, what better way to celebrate our fifth year anniversary of this podcast than to do a show that makes us better travelers? Because in this new climate change era, We all have to be better travelers. We all have to start thinking about how our travels impact the environment, how we can minimize that impact and do our part while still getting those travel experiences that we not only personally crave, but that shape us, make us better people, make us more connected to humanity, teach us about other cultures and all the wonderful things that come along with travel that you already know about. And I couldn't think of a better guest to have on to help us. And at the end of the interview, I'll share some thoughts with you around sustainable travel. Is this a better way of traveling? Certainly it is for the environment, but is it a better way for us personally as well for our own travel experiences? We'll share some thoughts on that later. For now, let's get into today's show. It's a special one. Thank you once again for being here and Welcome to the Zero to Travel 5th Anniversary Podcast Special. You're listening to the Zero to Travel Podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out, spending some time with me, letting me bring a little travel into your ears once again. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Been doing this for five years, ladies and gentlemen, five whole years, and the reason why is no secret. It's because of you. This is a community-powered show, and getting a chance to hear from listeners, hear your story, and knowing that this show is making an impact in helping people travel, which I do firmly believe, as you might have guessed, that travel really does make the world a better place and gets people more connected. And I feel 
when people that want to travel get out there and explore, they come back better people and they do more good. And this is something I've been struggling with lately because is that good outweighing the bad? And what I mean by the bad is the negative environmental impact of emissions. And I think back to all my years living the nomadic lifestyle and just being an active traveler, how much I'm responsible for makes me feel not so good from an environmental standpoint, but I know I'm not solely responsible for the pollution. That being said, we all need to be more aware of the impact we're having and take responsibility for that and understand with our choices, there are consequences to the environment and what are we going to do about that? How can we change our actions? How can we change the way we think about travel and make a shift so we as travelers can be conscious and do our part? That's what this show is all about with my special guest that you'll hear from in just a second. One of the most inspiring dudes I know. This guy's just an incredible guy, the way he lives his life and the things that he's doing as an activist. I've had him on the show twice before, Third time's a charm, and what a great guest for our fifth year anniversary. On the back end of this, I am going to share with you a few of my favorite episodes from the last five years and talk about those. Also, we'll share some thoughts on how being a more conscious traveler can actually change the travel experience for the better, I believe, and give my biggest shout out ever. Stick around for that. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. If you've been following the news, you might have read about the last intergovernmental panel on climate change report, and it was not good to say the least. It warned that global emissions are far from slowing down, that the world has basically a little over 10 years to bring climate change under control and get their act together. And they don't. We're going to be facing a slew of environmental catastrophes and crises, too many to list here. And as travelers, we need to be the change we want to see in the world. We have to start doing our part. And I can think of no better guests to have on to help us out than my friend Rob Greenfield from robgreenfield.tv, who has done a lot of different projects. And you might have heard him on the show before. Maybe you already know about him. I'll let him get into that a little bit, but right now I want to welcome Rob back to the Zero to Travel podcast. Welcome back, Rob. Thank you. Good to be back for the third time in five years. Well, man, this is, uh, we were just reminiscing before we started recording here because you were episode eight, and I am considering this episode my official fifth year anniversary episode of the Zero to Travel podcast because the first podcast published five years ago in in November, and this is November at the time of the recording. I'm so glad we got to meet way back then, and we talked about your bamboo bike ride across the states. And Well, first of all, go to robgreenfield.tv and just dive into Rob's stuff if you haven't yet. Be sure to follow him on social media because if you want to be inspired continually by somebody (laughs) and really learn some things that are going to help you live in a better way and also more environmentally friendly way. Rob's the man. And I listed off from your bio page, Rob, just a few of the uh, things you've been doing recently. You had the food waste fiasco. We talked about your cycling trip across the US. You did a show for the Discovery Channel called um, Free Ride, where you traveled without money through South America. We talked about your trip through Central America without money way back in uh, 
one of the other episodes we did. You also donate 100% of your media income to grassroots nonprofit organizations. And you know, talk a lot on your blog about your financial net worth and how you like to live your life. So, man, I have no idea where to begin with you. <laughs> where I want to begin, I think, is the post you just put up recently about being a public servant. And I think that kind of encapsulates all the things you've been doing. Can you talk a little bit about about this initiative and sort of your intention behind it? I guess I would call it less of an initiative and more of just my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> which my life is an initiative. So you're, you know, you're correct in saying that. You know, I look at the current political situation, which the current political situation is largely what drives uh, the current environmental situation that you mentioned earlier with climate change and Money and politics are two of the greatest influencers of, of our lives, both globally and locally. And some ways we see it, and some ways we don't. And so for me personally, I like to make sure that I'm working on the roots of the problems that exist in the world. And of course, that's you know easier said than done because there are so many problems. But I like to really look at what's going on in the world and say, how can I be a part of the solution locally, but in a way that represents what could be done globally as well. And because money is, you know, the root of so many of our problems, I've taken a very deep look over the last seven years at how money influences me and how money impacts me and and the world. And so basically, I guess it was about three years ago, that's when I took the first, like, the first vow to, to making very little money. Basically, my personal vow is to make what is considered the federal poverty threshold, which right now for an individual person is around $12,000. So that's my maximum yearly income. And by doing that, it's really hard to sway my opinions, sway my ethics and morals with money or material possessions by vowing to keep my life simple and as minimally involved in money as I, you know, hope to continue growing as a leader, the more pure that I will uh, force myself to remain because it's, you know, it's hard to remain pure in this world. And so I basically put, put limits on myself uh, and make them public so that I uh, ensure that I remain pure in a world where it's challenging to do so. So living without money or, or like you said, at the federal poverty line, I mean, you had some thoughts around that, I know, in, in terms of being in a privileged situation where, where you can do that. And I was wondering if you could just give people a little more background on, on what you were thinking there. And then I want to talk about like the logistics behind living without money, actually. Simple living is something that I can largely do because I am a privileged person and I do have my needs met where I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, where my next meal is going to come from and how I'm going to pay the bills. And that's the reality of one of the greatest challenges of our time is that it seems like a vast majority of people are not really able to look at the bigger pictures in life, you know, environmental issues or being able to get out and see the world and gain perspective and more understanding of different cultures because they're just trying to make the money to get to their next bills. Most people are you know, month to month. Most people don't have more than two months saving. I definitely acknowledge that the fact that I am able to live simply, what some people would call this voluntary simplicity, um, is because I, you know, I do have that privilege. And, but also at the same time, because I created it, because I've, I have over the last seven years 
dwindled my life down to not having a car, not having any bills, no cell phone, uh, no credit cards, all of those things, which have really allowed me to not be in debt and to be able to focus on what I want to in life, which for me is attempting to use my life to have a positive impact in the world. And the reason that simple living is so important is because because our lives are so globalized and so industrialized, it's hard to know how our actions affect the world every time we spend a dollar. And so the less money that you spend and the less ways that you're involved in the monetary system, generally, the easier it is to understand your impacts and make sure that you have positive impacts rather than negative impacts. But if you have your money going into 200 different places, it's a full-time job to know where that money's actually going, who it's actually supporting, what its actual impact is. But if I'm keeping my money local and I'm spending very minimal, maybe it's only going to 20 or 30 places, that I have the time to understand the actual impacts of. Right. I mean, you can talk about things as simple as going to buy a shirt or something. It's like, okay, well, where was this made? Was this in a, How are the factory conditions? I mean, there's a whole list of things that you can go through, like you said, in every purchase. And if you're buying 20 shirts a year, then you got to... It's, it's, it's time consuming to, you know, 20 different brands, 20 shirts a year and such. But like all my shirts come from one brand that I, that I can trust and it's simple. The transformation you mentioned, you know, over the last seven years, you have done all these different projects. We didn't even mention <laughs> a few of them, like wearing, wearing all the trash on the outside of your body that an average American creates uh, every day, which is four and a half pounds. And you did that for a month. That was another thing. I mean, you got to see <laughs> this stuff on Rob's site. You know, this has happened over time where you've done these, these projects and, and started somewhere. I'm just wondering for you, did you have some kind of awakening like within a moment or was this like a slow burn for you in terms of the transformation to to more simple living and to being more conscious in this way it was definitely as you say a slow burn at the same time a ignited quick slow burn i guess you could say it was no moment of enlightenment or overnight awakening but once i started to really put the pieces of the puzzle together then i started to move pretty quick um so 2011 when I ultimately left Wisconsin, I was, I think, around 23, 24 years old. And that's when I left Wisconsin and definitely, you know, set off with my car and all my possessions in my trunk with the intentions of going and living somewhere else and, and you know, starting a new life and didn't know where I was going. Uh, a couple of months later, I ended up in San Diego and that's where I ended up living. And it was that year in 2011 that I just, what happened was mainly I started to watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books and just started to realize, you know, so many problems in the world. But the real thing was I realized I was a part of all those problems. The food I was eating, the car I was driving, the gas that I was putting into the car, the, even the water that I was drinking in San Diego was coming from 300 miles across the desert where the Colorado River was now run dry because we sucked all the water out of it. Um, the trash that I was creating, you know, the cheap crap I was buying. And just through these books and documentaries and looking at things online, that's when I just started to realize, okay, my life is not what I thought it was. Companies have really sold me on these ideas. They're not true. I've been lied to. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to change my life. Another thing that I want to say, though, is San Diego did play a role because 
being in a place like San Diego, which is, it's not ultra, uh, you know, liberal. Um, it's actually a somewhat conservative town. So it's not like San Francisco, but the thing about it is that people kind of just let you be yourself there. You compared to Wisconsin, where, for example, if you wanted to be a vegetarian or a vegan in Wisconsin, you risk every single meal. Someone saying, where's the beef? it's a big risk (laughs) out in um san diego you could be who you wanted and people really just didn't give you beef for that they just kind of let you be yourself and so that was the environment that really helped uh made it easier it could be done in wisconsin no question about that but made it easier for me to you know get out of the social stigmas because they weren't pressing me every day and just really bloom into myself, which who myself wanted to be was someone who lived in a way that didn't destroy the very earth that I loved. Well, this is interesting. This is tying big time into one of the main topics I want to cover, which is sustainable travel. And I came across this article on the Washington Post recently. It was called For the Love of Earth, Stop Traveling. It was written by a Pulitzer Prize winner. And he was talking about the essentially the emissions that are created from airplane travel and how that's a big component of the problems that we're having and that people should stop traveling. Now, this I had a bit of an existential crisis with this because... You know, I've always tried to be a conscious traveler and, you know, bring a water bottle and not use plastic and things like that. But you can always do more, right? Everybody that's listening to this, the goal of this show and this episode in particular is just to help you become a better traveler in this way and to do more. Like I said, we want to be the change. You know, I I started struggling with this question, Rob, of like, okay, is the goodness that comes out of travel outweighing the environmental concerns. You know what I mean? Like what you said about San Diego playing a role. So you might've been living somewhere where they were pumping water in from 300 miles away. And and because you were living there, maybe you had a certain impact on the environment that you wouldn't have living elsewhere. But because you were there, you also, like you said, kind of grew into this person that you are today and started discovering these things. And now you've made this huge positive impact on the world. And, And I know through all of your travels, the experiences you've had have shaped you as well. So how do you reconcile this? Like, help me out here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, that's a typical media uh, story. And the, the, the thing that's typical about it is that it takes a very direct black and white stance. Travel causes environmental harm, so do not travel. That's one of the main problems with our current society is that we look at everything as black and white issues. But of course, when you take a greater perspective on our existence, you know that nothing is black and white and everything is gray. Because just to pull that apart for a second, you know, flying is bad, so you shouldn't travel. Well, ever heard of a bicycle? Uh, Hiking the, so just to name some things that you can do. You can sail around the entire world. You can hike some of the great trails like the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail. You can bike across your country. You can bike across your state, across your country. You can, you know, go Forrest Gump and run across the country. Um, You can hitchhike on vehicles that are already going in that direction. Trains, you know, you can travel all across Europe by train. Um, You can hitch a ride on a boat across the Atlantic, something that I have not done yet but would like to if you're going from uh, North America to Europe or Europe to North America. So you can, 
hit, you can, you know, you can take a boat and then take the train everywhere there. So, um, it is a whole different ball game, but it is possible to travel the world and not fly at all. It still hit me as uh, as somebody who's living in Norway who wants to get back to see my family. I'm still going to have to get on planes, right? So the kind of solution that I, I thought about or the things that I was thinking about were the things that you mentioned and also more of the slow travel philosophy where you're spending more time in a place. But I want to get some tips from you on the main things that are involved with travel when it comes to the transportation, the food, and the water because you have all the experience of doing it not only without money but in a very sustainable way. I know you do things to the extreme but I'm sure you have a bunch of tips for uh, for the average traveler. Uh, I do want to go, go back a little bit to what you just said. And I guess a, a little bit more about, you know, is it possible to travel sustainably? You know, and a little bit more about flying. So there's the flying, there's the getting there, but then there's the everything that you do once you're there. And so the reality is, is that traveling, let's leave aside the how you get there. But then once you're in an area, the traveling doesn't have to be any less sustainable than living at home and can often be far more sustainable. So to give one example, something that a lot of people do is woofing, worldwide opportunities on organic farms. And that's where you stay on organic farms and you learn how to grow food. And basically, it's a work exchange. So you work typically five hours a day for five days, so 25 hours a week. And that includes your lodging and your food. And so when you're woofing, you're typically living a very simple, environmentally friendly life. And what you've often done is you've left behind your apartment where you're you know, going out to restaurants and driving your car and you know, living a more consumeristic way and you're learning to live simply. So there are ways to travel um, where actually you are living a far more environmentally friendly life. Um, you know, and the other thing is it's about what you do when you get there. So you can be going to the amusement parks and, you know, the mall of America and, uh, you know, going out on expensive yachts that are burning gas. So you can go and have these lavish travels that do cause far more destruction than you probably would at home. But then there's all sorts of other things. You could be visiting eco villages. Um, you can be going to local small B and B's and or the other thing is, you know, I try never to stay in hotels. Uh, I stay with friends wherever I am because then I, you know, I cook in their, I can cook in their kitchen. Uh, we eat meals together. Um, it's no more, no less environmentally friendly to stay in someone else's apartment um, or house than if I was at my own apartment or house. So traveling by nature, uh, you know, flying aside, the what you do when you get there doesn't have to be any less you know, sustainable and, and can be far more because the other thing is a lot of times with traveling, you learn how to live simply. Everything you have is in your backpack. So you start to realize, okay, um, maybe I don't need an entire closet full of clothes because actually I've been in this backpack for a month and I've had all the clothes that I need and I'm happy and I'm actually happier. So, you know, that's the, you know, the big point is that once you get to somewhere, you don't have to be living any less of a sustainable life whatsoever. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's along the same lines with travel being expensive as another myth. You know, where oftentimes you're spending 
I found myself spending less money when I was traveling than I when I was living a traditional life. And by the way, we've gotten to have uh, Sue Coppert, the founder of Wolf, on uh, the podcast before. I can link that up in the show notes. I do want to stress that the most destructive thing that any of us do in any given day is flying. Um, you know, like you know, one of the main reasons people eat a plant-based diet is because of the uh, carbon footprint. Um, and I did some rough numbers and one, fl- I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was one flight to Europe and back was the equivalent carbon equivalent of like 1200 hamburgers or something like that. So, so th- no doubt, like in no way would I lessen the environmental impact of flying because it is just one flight a year basically makes it impossible to say that any of us live sustainably. Um, you know, so that is the tricky thing. And that's the tricky thing for me as well, because, um, I believe that I can have a positive impact through some flying, like coming over to Europe, uh, and, and doing a speaking tour. I, so like, for example, you know, I was invited to I was invited to China last week. Round trip flight and lodging covered. It would have cost me no money, and I would have gotten to speak at this great conference, and I would have got to go to China. I've never been to China before, but I had to say no. I could not fly to China for just one talk. Now, where the way that I look at flying personally is, will this flight be worth it in creating? Um, the world that I want to live in, a more sustainable and more just world? The answer was no for that flight to China, unless I decided that I was going to spend two months in China speaking, maybe doing reporting on environmental issues that would come back home, and and so on. So for example, both of my, um, like my last TEDx talks that, talk that I did in Europe, in Paris, I wasn't going to fly over there just for a TEDx talk. I wouldn't have been able to rationalize that. But instead, I I did a whole speaking tour and I spent, I don't remember how long, like um, seven weeks over there and I did like 35 talks or so. Um, And in that way, the flight I I deemed to be really worth it because the impact that I could have in that way was worth it. So, you know, I would definitely say like flying for a weekend is something that I, I can't do that anymore and rationalize it and even like you know you're in a pickle with the flying to Norway to see family because um, that's if we're talking about the environment it's just like it's it's just not even really possible to rationalize right is that tough for you like in that China example when you have maybe an emotional thing behind it where you're thinking oh it would be great to go to China I've never been to China I want to experience that I mean, you know, we can talk ourselves into anything, right? It's totally subjective. So you could say, well, I'm only giving this one talk, but I can learn more about climate change there and bring that back and write about it and maybe get more attention through my book. You know, you could kind of create an argument to go probably. Like, how do you, as a conscious traveler, how do you pull yourself out enough? How do you take the emotion out of it? Well, and that's the difficult part about being a human is that we can rationalize anything in our brain and make it seem fine so what it really comes down to for me you know i you know i've mentioned nothing is black and white everything is a gray area so it's always remembering that and just always trying to be honest with myself and with others 
So I personally, one of the, my greatest goals in life is to not be delusional, which is very hard because pretty much the whole human race is delusional because of the way that we've designed society. We have outsourced everything so that we don't actually understand our existence, thus making it very hard not to be delusional. So one of my main you know, goals in life is to not be delusional. So when I look at a situation like that, I don't rationalize incorrectly because that is defeating one of the main goals of my life, which is to not be delusional. You know, when we're talking about the big picture of the state of the world, numbers are important, but it can't come down to just numbers. You know, it can't come down to just government and corporations. It really has to come down to common sense, rational thinking, you know, critical thinking and problem solving, and, you know, ultimately just telling ourselves the truth, being honest with ourselves and being honest with others. And so that's like a big part of life is just trying to trying to live in a way where you're in alignment with your beliefs. And so for some people, that might mean giving up traveling. Some people I know people who have done that, like Mark Boyle, the moneyless man over in uh, Ireland, he won't get on a plane ever again. Um, uh, and that's, you know, he's an example. And and he doesn't even use electronics anymore, so he couldn't. Even, he wouldn't even do this podcast with you, even though he'd be great. But for other people, you know, they can figure out a way to travel where they're actually having an extremely positive impact on the world. Maybe it's public speaking, or maybe it's uh, you know uh, undercover journalism of some sort. Um, maybe it is by producing documentaries on environmental issues that are really important. So. You know, for people that really want to get down into the nitty gritty of it and travel for a deep purpose, there is a way to do it in our time um, and have a have a worthwhile impact. The other option is you just travel and you don't care that you're having an impact, a negative impact. And that's, you, you know, we, you can do that too, but just be honest about it. You know, that's that's one of the other big things is just be truthful. If, if you know that you're destroying the world just say yeah i'm destroying the world how do you stay positive when you when you hear something like this recent climate change report well to be honest the recent climate change report didn't give me money feelings at all because it didn't it was nothing new in reality to me i mean we've been humans have been saying for quite a long time that we have this many years and if we don't turn it around then there's no going back and I think we've already basically hit that. I've already come to the belief that that humans aren't going to turn things around. Now, that's not saying that I don't think we can. I think we could. If the human race decided to turn things around and come together, it's possible. We totally could do it. Now, the, yeah, but, but do I think we will? I don't, and I haven't thought for quite a while. Um, now, yeah, money and influence and, and greed and, and uh, you know, people not doing things for the right reason, but for power. And also there's just the, there's just the logistics. Pulling this or turning this around, 7 billion people, you know, 200 nations, uh, what we call nations. Of course, those are just, you know, lines that we've created and such. Um, to pull that all together would just be just this, the most 
insanely incredible, amazing thing. And again, I think it's possible, but to pull it actually off, I, I don't think we will. Now, the thing is, a lot of people would say, okay, then what's the point? You think that we're not going to pull it together. So what's the point? Why don't I just travel everywhere I want and pollute all I want and just live this, you know, Decadent extravagant life, right? <laughs> Yeah, why not? If, if we're all going down the tube anyway. And uh, the reason why is because I believe that life, I believe that life matters now and in the future. You know, I believe that life matters. Okay, let's say hypothetically 300 years from now the human race goes extinct and we're all gone. But the life that exists now still matters. And the life that exists between now and then still matters. Their feelings, their, whether they're happy or sad, whether they're you know, living in suffering or living an enjoyable life, um, whether people's basic needs are met, all of these things do matter now. And so I don't think that I'm going to change the whole world. But I do think that I can increase the quality of life of people and animals around me and set an example that will help others to do that as well. Um, now, and that, that's really the way that I look at it. So I can't, I can't clean up the entire ocean of plastic, and I don't think that humans ever will. But maybe there's a lake or a river, and I can make sure that that's clean, come together with my community to make that a beautiful place for us to enjoy and for the other species that live there to enjoy. Um, I can't solve world hunger, but I can make sure that my neighbors have healthy, clean food. Um, and that's the way that I look at it, and that is a life worth living, a dignified life worth living that benefits the people around me, no matter of the future outcome. It's interesting with the, the money question, too, because oftentimes it will take large amounts of money to solve certain problems. So you look at somebody like you know, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, and they're giving all their money into this organization to try to solve malaria. So you have that one side of, well, maybe you could say you know, more money that can make more impact in that way. And then you have another side where you're like, well, if I'm not spending money, then I'm also making an impact too, and you're donating all the money. I'm sure you get a lot of opportunities that come across your, your plate. Do you ever struggle with that? Yeah. And, and I want to say, like, I think that billionaires can be impactful or people living with volu- you know, voluntary simplicity. So there's many different ways of going about affecting positive change. And uh, I think a lot of billionaires could have extremely massive, you know, positive impacts in the world, and, and some have. So for me, I've chosen the path of trying to live in a way that is as deeply aligned with my morals and beliefs as possible. And I don't remember who said it, but I heard a saying, um, there is no victimless millionaire or there is no victimless billionaire. Because the reality is, is that in this world today, to become that, there's victims typically, uh, whether it's Especially humans or that other amount species. of money. Yeah. Yeah. To get that amount of money. Yeah. It's one thing that, you know, if you're making thirty, $40,000 a year to support your family or whatever. But if you become a billionaire, it typically means that there's been, there's been victims. And usually... You know, in our globalized world, that would mean destroying uh, natural environments, which could mean destroying the homes of other humans, uh, their well-being, whether it's their water or their food source, their forests, or the other species that used to live there. And usually to be a billionaire, it means that a lot of destruction has happened. So for me, I've just decided I'm not causing destruction to do good. Um, 
And that's why, you know, ultimately I got, I dissolved my business. Maybe that was since last time we talked, it was about three years ago. And, you know, in the past it was like, you know, I was putting at least 10% of total revenue at least into, uh, environmental work. But I thought about it and I was like, well, but that's 90% not. And, you know, the business I was doing, you know, for the most part was not, it was environment. I was trying to do environmentally friendly marketing, but ultimately what I found was that most of it wasn't that environmentally friendly and that I would be better off spending my time, not monetizing my time and trying to make money to do good, but instead, uh, basing my life around doing good, which so much good can be done without money. Um, you know, they say vote with your dollar and that's one way to do it, but not spending is also voting with your dollar and existing is also voting with your dollar in a comparison manner. And, you know, the reality is, is that they say money makes the world go round, but that's not true. The world will keep going around without the existence of money. It went around for billions of years without the existence of money. And human beings have the ability to affect change via their actions, via the way they treat people uh, every single day. And that is that makes the world go around more than money. What is your day-to-day now? Like, What have you been up to the last weeks, let's say? Well, I just finished building this tiny house out of uh, Congrats. 90. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. I'm sitting in it right now. Um, it's built out of about 99% repurposed materials, which was really my goal was to try to try to try to build a house out of you know almost nothing new and um, also really inexpensive. The total cost is around $1,500, um, and I wanted to show an example for people like you know, maybe people who want to travel the world and don't want to be spending all their money on rent and bills, this tiny house is a perfect scenario for that because by living here, I do a work exchange with the people who whose land this is. Um, so I don't have rent and uh, I don't have any bills um, because I live, you know, really simply. And that for me, when I first started traveling the world, this was my way of being able to travel was by by decreasing the way that the number of ways that I had to spend money, the more money I had to be able to go out and see the world, which you mentioned it earlier. I mean, seeing the world is definitely a big part of shaping who I am and shaping so many people because when you, when you see that there's hundreds of other cultures out there and hundreds of other ways of doing things, what you realize is the Western way, the, whether it's the American way or the European, Western European way of doing things, isn't the normal way. It's just what we're surrounded by. And once you realize that, oh, this is all a delusion, what we call normal is just the way we do things. And in no way is it normal. And in reality, if you live in a Western society, it's not normal. We are the extreme ones. The United States has 5% of the world's population and uses 25% of the world's resources. That, by definition, is extreme. The Americans are the extremists, you could say, in the way that we carry out our lives. And so once you get out of your country and you experience this, you, you just wake up. And that's one of the most important things is that mind shift. More important than you know, almost any action is shifting your entire way of thinking. And traveling is you know, such an important role in doing that. And you mentioned like, you know, well, what is the benefit of traveling? Can you offset it? And that's that area that's totally gray. 
you know, it's not black and white. Is that flight over to, you know, immerse in other cultures going to be worth it? It very well could be. The example I always use is uh, like Adam Braun, who founded Pencils of Promise. I've had him on the podcast. You know, if he never went on that backpacking trip, he never would have been exposed to the things he saw in, in different countries and started this program where they now build schools for children in developing countries and things like that where you can't always predict. Like you said, you can go and you know, okay, well, I'm going to line up all these speaking gigs. But sometimes just travel for travel's sake or oftentimes can lead to those big changes. And I, I think back in my own life and understanding, like you said, that resonated with me when you start traveling and you don't have a lot of stuff with you. And you're just like, wait a minute, you come back and you get to your storage unit or whatever. And you're like, it's like looking at somebody else's stuff. You're like, what is all this? Why do I, I don't need any of this, you know? And because of those experiences, like I've gone on to live a much more simple life for many years, but I couldn't have predicted that in the beginning until I had the experience. It's tricky, but the big thing to come out of this is, like you said, just a hyper-awareness around the flights that you're taking. That's the biggest impact. So just being more aware and then combining that with, I guess, maybe more purposeful travel or what can you do actively on your travels to make a difference? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, being really aware of the flights and then, you know, if this is something that you care about and this conversation is resonating with you, then basing your travel around uh, being really well thought out um, and, uh, being in a way that is having a, a positive impact and, uh, shaping you into being the, the change maker, uh, or the, you know, conscious person that you want to be. Seeing how you live this day to day, you know, whether you're traveling and you're on a bamboo bike and, and <laughs> creating very minimal waste or, you know, building a tiny house out of recycled materials or the things that you do, is it hard to continue the simple living every day? Is it a struggle or is it like, what are the, what are the rewards for you personally at this type of lifestyle that you live? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the main rewards of living simply is it allows me to do what I want. And that's what I want to do is I want to, I want to do what I want while I'm alive, not work some job, uh, droning away that I don't really like, uh, I don't want to be living what somebody else wants to me to be living. I really just want to live a life that I feel really good about where, you know, when I die, I can say that was a life well lived um, and not say, okay, well, I have to work for the next 20 years so that when I die, I can ultimately say that was a life well lived because I could die tomorrow. So living in the present. And so that's really what, you know, a big part of this for me, what's worked with simple living is it has afforded me the ability to really live the life that I want. Um, which is, you know, traveling is a big part of that. Um, seeing, seeing places, immersing in other cultures, learning from different people's ways of doing things, uh, immersing in the natural world of different, you know, different biomes. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big part of it. And, Again, you can do this by living a monetized way of life where you focus on earning a lot of money so that you can take the time to do that. But instead, like I try to make my whole life um, the being present, you know, immersing in different things. Because, you know, one thing that is important to talk about when it comes to travel is that there's so much going on right in your own area that you don't have to fly for. You know, if you're in Chicago, or if you're in any of these big cities, New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, there are different cultures existing in community 
um, that you can go and learn from. I mean, for me, like living in San Diego, I took African dance classes and that was amazing. I mean, I felt a little bit like I was in Africa sometimes when I was taking classes like that. Um, so, or going to the Ethiopian neighborhood and eating at the Ethiopian restaurants, like getting to meet people from Ethiopia is mind opening. And, uh, just like, you know, for me, uh, or being in Minneapolis where there's a lot of, uh, Ethiopians and Somalians and, um, you know, playing soccer in the park with them. Um, that was, you know, it sticks out to me how kind they were like it was part of their culture where they were just kind and open like they just came over I was kind of playing soccer by myself and they just came over and started playing with my soccer ball without even really asking and what that was is that was the community mindset where we share and it was so much a part of their way of life that it wasn't even like asking it was just now all of a sudden we're playing together and that all was without living, leaving the United States. So that's another thing is that in your own backyard, there are ways to shift your perspective and to wake up um, by immersing in, in different cultures. You mentioned how dramatically different the U.S. is in terms of consumption and especially related to how you live. Do you feel at home in the U.S. or does it feel, do you feel like a stranger in a strange land in some way or how does that feel for you? The United States is definitely my country, actually. Um, I feel so at home when I get back. Every time I leave, um, and I, I'm always ready to get back to the United States, and I'm always excited. Um, and I feel at home here, even though you know I go against the grain of American society. Um, the thing is, this is where I feel purposeful because. The United States is the one causing the most destruction to the world. And, you know, my purpose in life is really trying to change that the little bit that I can. You're in the this right the, place. <laughs> I'm in the right place. You know, the most of most of the roots of the world's problems, I believe, come from the tentacles of American life and American consumerism. So this is the place for me to be. And the reality is, is that the problems that exist in the world actually do give me a great purpose. Um, now, I would gladly see that purpose fizzle away for a world that's actually sustainable and just, but in the current world that we live in, that does indeed give me, um, that does indeed give me great purpose. Why did you pick uh, Florida? Because you're living in Florida right now, right? Did you choose Florida for a specific reason or... Well, um, so some of that is a matter of just, you know, living the life I want, which is I want to live somewhere warm. So before Florida, I lived in Southern California for five years, and I really don't want to live in a place with winters. So that, you know, Florida is a, a, a good place for that. Um, so that was, you know, one of the main reasons. But I also, at this point in my life, do want to live in a place where I feel like I can really affect positive change where I'm actually needed. So like, for example, San Francisco, there's a lot of change makers there. There's a lot of progress already. I'm less needed there. Florida, on the other hand, is a place where uh, I can have a, a, you know, a very positive impact. And Orlando is a place that is, is on a sort of a transitional state where in a, you know, in a decade's time, this could end up being one of the more sustainable cities 
in the country because there are a lot of people working to change things. Um, it's a young city that is still moldable. And um, it's like kind of somewhere in that middle ground of it, you know, it, it can go either way. So I feel like I can be impactful here as well. So that's, you know, a couple of the reasons. What kind of advice do you give to somebody that's sort of, you know, wants to travel and wants to do it in a more purposeful way, but isn't quite sure what their cause is or just, it can be a tough thing that a lot of people can put a lot of pressure on themselves, you know? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a very good question. I have to say that I, I have always felt pretty purposeful in what I was doing. Now, in the past, that was partying and chasing women and attempting to be a millionaire. But I felt very purposeful in that. And I didn't change because I wasn't happy. I actually enjoyed that. Um, I changed because I felt like it was you know the right thing to do and that I could live an even better life. But I wasn't really running from unhappiness or anything like that. You know, I tend to give better advice on things that I really ex uh, have experienced firsthand. And I don't recall ever feeling that, like, what should I do? I don't feel a purpose, uh, you know, a passion. But one thing that I can say is I would say don't try to force a purpose or a passion. And instead, just ask, what do you love doing? Do you love working with children? Um, do you love hiking? Do you love spending time outside? Do you love organizing people? And so what I would say is, you know, what is it that, if, is there something that drives you, whether that's like a bigger, something that you recognize as a bigger thing, like, you know, maybe you recognize a bigger thing as like running for office. Um, but don't think about the bigger thing and just think about what drives you in life. And what do you feel excited about? You know, when do you feel your best? And try to like look at it from that perspective and then ask, okay, now is there a way that I tie that into, um, into having a, you know, a positive impact and making the change that I want to? So for me, I was always an adventurer. I always loved extreme adventures. And so when I first got started, it was more focused on the adventure aspect um, and uh, the selfishness of, you know, loving adventures. I was, you know, I was like very uh, inspired by Bear Grylls back in the day, as an example. Um, survivalist, you know, adventure type stuff. And so I started out kind of that way because basically I've always been an entertainer. Like that's the reality. I was the class clown in high school. Um, so you could say that that was my passion, entertaining, you know, making, getting people's attention has always been a thing that I've enjoyed doing. I've always enjoyed, you know, getting people's attention. That's a reality of, of my personality. And so it came down to, okay, I like to, you know, get, get people's attention and get them thinking about things. I like to, uh, go on adventures. So, you know, I'm an entertainer, I'm an adventurer. And then, and then ultimately, you know, I was at the same time wanting to live more sustainably and inspire more people to live more sustainably. And I kind of combined all three into environmental adventures that were attention grabbing. Uh, a lot of them were kind of stunt like or are stunt like. And so I, I, I don't get burned out generally because I'm doing what I want to be doing. And I'm, and I am meeting my personal desires as a human being, um, and, but then the thing that happened is that over time, 
that's when I've been able to uh, morph it more into the altruistic way of doing things, more into the mission-driven aspect, um, because I've just continued to do this. But it didn't start out as it started out more about me, and then shifted away from that as I, you know, as I found my my purpose and my passion more deeply. Um, and I also do want to say, like I mentioned the word altruism, but I definitely want to say I'm not real altruistic because altruism is doing something for others that benefits you in no way. But the thing I've found is that by helping others, I help myself because the more I give to others, the happier that I am. And the more that I you know, build a life around giving to others, the more people want to support me. And so the more that I do this, the more that I gain, you know, I'm more purposeful, more passionate, more healthy, more happy. Um, you know, people like me, all of these things come from living this lifestyle. And so, you know, you don't have to be altruistic because, uh, you know, doing good is one of the greatest goods you can do to yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's important too. You should be having a good time with your own life, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, I only, I want to have a good life. There's no question about that. So how can you have a good life? and uh, make a good life around you, too. Who are some of your heroes? Um, you know, Jack Johnson, the musician, he's always been a hero of mine. I, you know, I originally liked him for his music, but, you know, he's one of the most, you know, environmentally focused musicians out there uh, when it comes to using his money uh, to affect positive change. Um, and then also his humbleness. You know, he was called, like, the world's most humble rock star i think by rolling stone or something like that and he is like i have i've never met him but i have multiple friends who have spent time with him and he's just like any other person yet he's one of the you know he's just you know super famous and i i um i really admire people who can remain humble in times where you could where you could be totally uh egotistical and unhumble so he's one person um you know i deeply inspired by some people that aren't alive, like, you know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King are people that, that, you know, even though they don't exist today, have definitely shaped my life and inspired me a lot. Um, Winona LaDuke is a Native American activist who I'm um, reading one of her books right now, and I've been following her for a couple of years, and she really has educated and inspired me a lot. Um, I have a blog, robgreenfield.tv slash people, and that's a list of around 50 or so people that have inspired me and that I you know, recommend other people um, pay attention to and, and learn from. Okay, great. Yeah, I was going to hit you up for some resources. It sounds like that post will have some of that as well. And if there's anything missing that you want to mention outside, of course, your own website, stuff that you think is important for people to follow that are we should all be interested in this topic. I was going to say that are interested in this topic. This is a... <laughs> this is something Rock. everybody needs to be interested in. Um, if you're not, get interested right now. Well, we, we did talk about the documentaries and the books. Some, so just some resources, the things that helped me. Um, if you go to robgreenfield.tv slash films, that's a lot of the films that really inspired me and woke me up and changed me. robgreenfield.tv slash books is a, lot of, is a lot of the books that I read that really woke me up. Um, and then if you go to slash Facebook slash YouTube slash nonprofits. Those are different resources of Facebook pages, YouTube channels, nonprofits uh, that I you know admire and respect. Um, another 
page is uh, my timeline of transformation. So when I did wake up, you know, changing one bit at a time, and that's just that slash timeline. And through that, um, there's just an, an, you know, a huge supply of resources. Uh, you can click the different links about like why I got rid of my cell phone, why I got rid of my car, you know, my experience of traveling with no money. Um, that's a great resource with lots of information on there. Just go to Rob's website, <laughs> robgreenfield.tv, and you'll find it all. And uh, be sure to follow him. Doing awesome things, my friend. Uh, I have to ask you before I let you go, because you mentioned you know, running for office kind of in, in what you were just talking about. And then you mentioned this pledge to be a public servant. And I just couldn't help as I was thinking these things and I was reading through that and kind of thinking what you're up to. I'm like, is he... It seems like maybe one day down on the horizon, you might be interested in in serving in like a public office type? It's a question of just how I will be a public servant. So that could be a government office. It could just be a an individual leader, um, you know, that has no, you know, involvement in government. Um, which is I know what you're that, doing right now, essentially. Is, which is what I'm doing right yeah. now. So I definitely want to be a positive leader for positive change for my whole life. And so whether that ends up being that I decide that government is the way to do that or that I decide that just being an individual human being with no tie political ties is the way to do that or whether that's running a you know a nonprofit I don't know which way life will take me but what I do know is that what I'm doing now through that pledge and the other pledges that I've made is setting the foundation to being a person with deep ethics and morals and transparency that I want to have no matter in which way that I am serving the public. Um, and that's really what I'm doing. So it could end up being, you know, some sort of political office, or again, it could be just, you know, totally individual, radical human being just out there, you know, change. I don't know that how that will be, but I am creating the foundation to, to live whichever way it goes within a you know, deep set of morals and ethics that serves the people, uh, which I want to be serving, which is just basically the human race and the other species that we share the earth with. Any like specific actionable thing you can leave us with? We've already talked about how to think about flights and travel and, and things to consider as you plan your next trips in the upcoming years, um, which I think is huge and a huge takeaway from this podcast. Uh, I just want to make sure if you have anything else, now's the time, my man. Yeah, well, okay. So it does seem that the action is the challenging part for most people. Listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, talking about it, that's all comes a lot easier than actually doing something. And the common theme that I've seen is people don't know where to start. And when they don't know where to start, it results in them doing nothing. So what I say is just start somewhere. Now, that could be getting rid of disposable plastic bags and getting a reusable shopping bag. It could be having a reusable water bottle and not buying plastic bottles anymore. Something very small that you can do today. The thing is, what you don't realize is that action creates more action. So once you, once you take a positive step, it gives you the motivation and the momentum to take another positive step. So don't worry about which step you start with. 
do whatever you feel inspired by right now. You know, don't worry like, okay, well, I know the biggest thing that, that I could do is eat a more plant-based diet, but I'm not ready to do that. So don't let that, don't let that cripple you from doing nothing. Start, start with something that will make you feel better about yourself and feel less crippled by our current, you know, political and environmental scenario and let that empower you over time. And you're not going to become empowered overnight, but by making one positive change, say per week, some of them are going to be really little, some of them are going to be bigger. What you'll do is you'll start to transform yourself without even, and then you'll, you'll get to this place without even having realized it. You'll look back, say a year ago and think, wow, look at all the things I'm doing now that I wasn't doing a year ago. Um, and that is empowering and that is what gets you to make more positive changes and more positive changes. And then those big positive changes that you never thought you could do, then now you've built the foundation to be able to take on those bigger steps because you're more empowered, you're maybe healthier, you're more in alignment with your beliefs and your morals, and that is powerful. So that's what I would say is really just think of one positive change you can make today and then make that and then continue to make you know maybe one per week over time. Thank you so much for just you know being part of this podcast so early on when it was just uh, you know a few episodes in a feed and now five years later we get the pleasure of chatting again and it's been an honor to know you over the last years and man we still got to meet up in person somewhere it looks sounds like I'm going to have to get to Orlando but I'm going to have to ride a bike there or something uh, which is fine because I'm up for that adventure but I hope we can cross paths soon and um, yeah thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it yeah my pleasure look forward to meeting in person and uh, as long as the podcast is still going we can do this every year or two <laughs> <laughs> Rock on. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. All right. All right. Thanks. See ya. There you have it. Hope you enjoyed listening into my conversation with Rob Greenfield. Inspiring guy, right? Look at the way he's living his life, the things he's doing. We all can't be that extreme, but certainly I believe we could take some lessons from Rob and the way he lives his life and incorporate those into our own and become better travelers. I'm going to share with you a few things now. Thanks for sticking around, first of all. I want to share three of my favorite Zero to Travel podcasts. This being the fifth anniversary episode, I would be remiss if I did not discuss some of my favorite all-time episodes, ones that you should check out if you haven't. I'm going to share a few thoughts on today's show. A big shout-out and a quote. First, I want to ask you something as a listener to this show. Since this is my fifth year doing this podcast, I want to really know and understand how the show has helped you in some way, if it has. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I've never asked before. I'm going to give you my email address right now. It's jason at zerototravel.com. Jason at zerototravel.com. If you haven't gotten in touch yet, Here's what you can do. I am building a new website and resource page all about this podcast because as you know, my mission is to help people travel the world on their terms. Like I said at the top, I believe travel makes the world a better place. And there's no better way to do this than to share stories, real stories from people who have listened to this show, people like you, and who have gotten some kind of value out of it. And if it's helped you in some way, at all over the last five years, whether you're new to this show and you've just been listening for a few weeks or some months or even years, I'm going to ask you to send me a video of yourself 
don't be shy. Nothing technical, nothing crazy. Wherever you are, you can just flip open your smartphone, hit record, bonus points if you're somewhere exotic, and just tell me how the Zero to Travel podcast has helped you and what you've gotten out of the podcast, what kind of value you've gotten out of it, and just be honest. And I want to share these videos on my website with the community. So people, when they come to look at the podcast and they try to understand what it is, it's not me telling them what it is. It's you telling them what this is and how it can help them. We can help get the word out about the show. And I've never asked for this before, anything like this, but man, I would be honored if you took one minute to shoot a video of yourself and just let me know how the show has helped you. Tell me a little bit about your story, anything. And just let me know it's okay to use that. And you can do the subject header in the email. Video for you. Just write video for you. And tell me who you are. Introduce yourself. Let me know how the show's helped. Let me know where you're at in the world, if you're traveling somewhere or where you want to go. And I would love to hear from you and see real stories from this community. It only takes a minute. You don't have to shoot a 10-minute video or do some editing or anything. Literally, just take your smartphone, hit record, and talk for a minute or less and let me know your thoughts. And I would so appreciate that because after five years, I've gotten so many incredible emails, but I haven't gotten many videos and maybe one or two. And I really want to see you. I want to feel your energy. I want to catch your vibe. I want to just hear from you in video format. I would love that. So if you can do that, please, you can hit pause right now and just do it really quick. It's only going to take a minute of your time. If you have been listening to this show, I have poured hundreds or thousands of hours actually to to bring you this show, putting my heart and soul into it. If you just have one minute to shoot a video, please, please, please do that for this fifth anniversary special. I would so appreciate that and send it to jason at zerototravel.com. Let me see your face. Thank you so very much for letting me into your life and allowing me to be a part of it because there are a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of stuff you could be doing, but you are here with me as part of this community, the Zero to Travel Caravan. Without you, there is no show. There is nothing, and I would not have been doing this for five years. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And that leads into my biggest shout-out of them all. The shout-out is not to any one person. It is to this collective community because I got to tell you, if I start talking a little too much about it. I'm sitting here. I might be choking up a little bit. I'm not going to do that on the mic here. I'm going to try to refrain from that. But seriously, you all have warmed my heart in countless ways. And you have allowed me the privilege of hosting this show and letting this be something that I get to do and something that you've made a part of your life, which I do not take lightly, because like I said, I know everybody's busy and there's a lot of stuff going on. And if you're making time to be here with me week in and week out, there is no greater gift than the gift of time. Thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart. Huge shout out to the Zero to Travel Caravan, the global community of travel junkies. You and you and you and you and you and you and you, all of you, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Now, I promised some comments on becoming a better traveler and how that can change your travels for the better. I really do believe that. When I think back to some of my adventures, some of the greatest times were those 
long bike rides or just long walks where you get lost in a neighborhood, you don't even know where you are, you're away from all the tourist sites, and you're just walking around and soaking in the everyday life. And I think our tendency can be to think about sustainable travel as, oh, okay, I have to travel less. You're taking something away from me that I love to do. And that's not it. And you heard Rob in the interview today. It's all about how you think about it and just how it changes your approach to travel. It doesn't mean that we're losing travel experiences or we're not going to get to go to the places we want to go. We're just thinking about them in a way that's conscious and maybe doing it a little bit differently. And when you take away certain things, say you want to cut down on the amount of flights you do and do more overland travel, for example, you might actually be adding more positive travel experiences than than subtracting them. You know, I just wanted to point that out that I think we tend to get a little defensive of our travels. We don't want anybody to take anything from our travel dreams, right? And that's not what this is about. This is about just doing it consciously and adding to our travel experience. And of course, we can make up the rules. We can think about the ways that we want to shift our travel styles so we can be more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, and still get peak travel experiences. So just wanted to throw that out there. And also, before I share a quote, I got to share a few of my favorite episodes from the last five years because there have been a lot of shows, over 300, and (laughs) I've loved all of them for different reasons. And this is like trying to answer that question, what's your favorite place in the world? You really can't do that because different places have different things to offer. But I will share a few highlights for me that you can check out if you haven't yet. The first one is the second episode I published on the podcast. I consider it the first true episode, and it's called Long Distance Hiking Masters. I was staying at a hostel in Salida, Colorado, and I met a whole group of guys that were through hiking the Continental Divide Trail. And these were world-class hikers, people that you might not have heard of, but have done amazing things. In fact, three of them had hiked the Triple Crown, which meant they had through-hiked the three main long-distance hikes in the USA, the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. To put that in perspective, it's been said that fewer people have completed the Triple Crown than have gone to outer space. And the reason why this is one of my favorite episodes is because it was so early on in my journey with the podcast. And it was one of those things that I had envisioned when I started the podcast. Wow, wouldn't it be cool if I was able to share some of these conversations I have with travelers out on the road? Because there's been so many times I've been camping or staying in a hostel or a hotel or wherever, and you just start chatting with people and you learn so much from them and you get these unique perspectives you hadn't thought about before. And in my mind, I thought, well, if I have a podcast and I get into one of these conversations, I can actually just record and share that and people will be able to listen in. And then this crew of hikers came through and I knew I had to talk to them, but I got to tell you, I was a nervous wreck because I hadn't really done any interviews before. I had never asked some strangers that I just met to record a conversation I was going to have with them, which was a totally different thing. I think in my mind, it was a lot easier. I'll just hit record and we'll have this chat and I'll get to share it with everybody. But actually getting people comfortable and getting to the point where they're willing to share. And not only that, but this was (laughs) way 
beyond anything I'd done because it wasn't even a one-on-one conversation. There were just a group of people that I was recording at the same time and essentially facilitating an interview with a whole crew of guys off this trail that were in the middle of this hike. And I thought, wow, this has just really got my adrenaline pumping. And to hear their story, knowing they were in the middle of their trip at that time and just getting to do it in person and talk about something I love, hiking. And one of my dreams is to do a long distance hike, a through hike, and getting to hear their experience of what that's like. It was just such a great episode to have early on in my own personal podcasting journey. And it made me realize the power of being able to record this and share it with people and the power it had to connect people. I was able to get all these guys together to talk about something that they love and the energy was just, I'll never forget it. I was i was nervous, but it was just, uh, just in the back of a hostel and I couldn't believe I was doing this. I was living a dream in many ways, doing the exact thing that I envisioned and knowing I was going to publish this. Like I said, it was early on in my journey. I don't think I had even published any episodes at that time because I was just banking content. It really made the whole thing real for me. Wow, I'm really doing this. I'm starting this podcast. I'm going to share this stuff with people. And I said I wanted to interview people about travel and learn from them and share it. And I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. It's uh, It was the biggest rush. So that was one of my favorite episodes. Another one I've gotten a lot of feedback on is a more recent episode. This one took over a year to make, which is another reason why it's near and dear to my heart. It's an episode I did with Sophia and Teague called Transition to Travel. And I interviewed them when they were quitting their jobs and before they had taken a year to travel around the world. And then I caught up with them a year later and interviewed them after their around the world trip and got to hear what it was like for them, what they learned, what mistakes they made. And I put this all into one show. So you got to hear some of their fears beforehand and some of their concerns. And then you got to hear all about their trip and maybe what were real fears and unfounded fears and what the end result was for them and what they'd learned from a trip around the world. So taking a year to make an episode and put it all together and to see that transformation that travel can have with one couple was a spectacular experience for me and sharing it was a privilege and I got to hear a lot of great feedback from that episode and how it's inspired other people to undergo their journey of long-term or full-time travel. So That is one of my faves. And lastly, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. This isn't one particular episode, but a collection of episodes. And these are the episodes that I have done with my wife, Anadorta. Specifically, the Norwegian Christmas Spectaculars. I thought, wouldn't it be fun to have my own Christmas special, my own holiday special? And I said, wait a minute, I have a podcast. I can do that. So we started recording these some years ago. And we're coming up on our fifth annual Norwegian Christmas Spectacular. If you want to see what our little life like is here in Norway over the holidays, you should tune into some of those, give you some good holiday vibes. And also an episode that I've listened to or re-listened to a few times, I don't usually listen to my own podcast unless I go back to try to find some quotes or I'm doing some research. But one I have re-listened to a few times are the Norwegian Christmas Spectaculars and also an episode I did with my wife around a campfire in Moab, Utah. It was called Car Camping Superstar. We gave some tips on car camping and some awesome tips, really, and why we love it so much. But what it does, it brings me back to that 
campfire sitting there with her in a special time in our lives and just getting to chat about travel with her next to a campfire, the crackling of the fire and being able to share a fireside chat like that with you. I can listen back to these episodes and I have them as memories for myself as well. So there you have it. Along those lines, I want to say publicly here a thank you to my wife and to my family for all the crap they have to put up with for me to bring you this show week in and week out here. It's not so easy with the time changes being based in Oslo, recording episodes at all different hours and sometimes running around like crazy and stressing over, you know, getting things published that week or whatever the case is. And it's your loved ones, of course, that are dealing with all of that and and seeing you go through the ups and downs of what it's like to do something for a five-year period. I mean, I don't think outside of travel, I've committed to anything for this many years and done it so religiously week in and week out. And I want to thank my family for supporting me and helping me make this show a reality and continue to bring it to you. And that's it. So huge shout out to everybody that's listened to the show, to all the guests I've had on that have spent time to share their wisdom with us and to my family for the support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't forget to send me that video, by the way, if you got time to shoot that one minute video, please do it now. And I will leave you with a quote from Melody Beatty, who said, gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Thanks again, my friend. Until next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 